Hey, really quick before we get into this episode, if you're hearing this intro, it means that my new podcast with my friend Veronica called Socially Unfiltered has officially launched and we would love for you to join us over there. I wanted to make sure I put this intro before all of the previous episodes of the Social Media Survival Guide podcast because just so much has changed since these episodes were published, but the content in these episodes still holds a very special place in my heart. So you may hear some links or some Instagram handles that I'm no longer using being mentioned in these episodes. So I just wanted to give you one place where you knew you could find everything. If you want to keep up with me, Lex, on Instagram, my Instagram handle is at justlexpage, J-U-S-T-L-E-X-P-A-I-G-E. And that's where you can find all of my social media content. It's where you can find all of the different ways we can work together and all of the resources I have to help you survive social media. And like I said, some links may be outdated. So if you're interested in any of my guides, any of my templates, or any of my resources for helping you survive social media, you can find everything at stan.store slash page, and I'll link everything in this description. But come join us over on the new podcast. Again, it's called Socially Unfiltered. You can find us on Instagram at sociallyunfilteredpod. You can find the podcast where wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, I'll link everything in this episode description. Whether this is your first time listening to the Social Media Survival Guide or your millionth re-listen, thank you for being here. But I'm so excited to start this new journey with you. So please come hang out with us over on Socially Unfiltered. We would love to have you. But for now, I'll let you get into the episode that you were trying to listen to. And hopefully I'll see you over there. Enjoy. Welcome to the Social Media Survival Guide, a paid media co-podcast all about surviving social media. We'll go on deep dives into what goes on behind the scenes in this industry, interviews with some of the most badass business owners sharing their own experiences, and we'll learn all about the tools and resources you need to survive social media. I'm your host, Lex, and I'm just surviving social media one day at a time. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Social Media Survival Guide. Today's episode, I am so, so, so excited for it. It is a guest interview with Sasha, who is a human-first, marketing-obsessed business coach. She currently helps female changemakers transform their small business into life-changing brands, and she is a firm believer that marketing should be human. She focuses heavily on content strategy and email marketing. So Sasha comes with an incredible vault of knowledge and I'm so lucky that she let me pick her brain for an hour. Um, You will literally hear me have an epiphany (laughs) throughout this episode. Um, Sasha is really, really good at email. It's one of the primary services that she offers, you know, helping people get their sequences set up, just helping people kind of write their copy for emails. She really, really loves emails. And honestly, up until I had this conversation with her, it was not really anything that I ever thought twice about. I have had an email list for just you know people in my community just to send out I used to do like newsletters Um, I usually would send out updates about the social media manager survival guide when it was coming out but honestly it just kind of fell off from it It was never really anything again that I thought too far into and with just one (laughs) one sentence Sasha completely changed my entire mind about emails so if email marketing is something that you are struggling with or just looking to start implementing this episode is for you. Make sure you check out the episode description or the show notes. Um, I will have all of Sasha's contact information links there, but her Instagram and TikTok is at bizcoachsasha. Her website is servantmarketingco.com. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Make sure again you connect with Sasha over on her accounts, but also make sure you are staying up to date with everything that has to do with the social media survival guide um, on both Instagram and TikTok at the social media survival guide. Actually on TikTok, there is no the, it's just social media 
survival guide and make sure you stay connected with me on my personal slash business account which is at page media co again everything will be linked in the show notes and description and as always if you ever need anything feel free to dm me and sasha also i know is very open to receiving any questions so especially anything that has to do with what we talk about in this episode okay we're gonna get into it enjoy hi i am here with sasha who is a human first marketing obsessed business coach and she helps female change makers transform their small business into a life-changing brand with marketing that is made human and she focuses heavily on content strategy and email marketing and you do it so unbelievably amazing. Sasha, thank you so much for being here. I'm gonna let you introduce yourself a little bit. Hey, first of all, thanks for having me. I, as soon as I saw your first video on TikTok, I was like, I like this girl. I can vibe with her. You are, you have that authentic, very straightforward delivery, which I appreciate. So yeah, that's how we met each other. So I work with female entrepreneurs. I am a business coach, but I like to say I'm marketing obsessed because I really focus on the marketing and visibility side of building a brand. And I'm really focused on helping women who have small businesses, but really big dreams of what their brand could be. I want to help them transform from that small business mindset to that big biz energy mindset. And we do that a lot through content strategy, which is mostly video focused, TikTok, Instagram, and then also email marketing. So I know we're going to talk about that a lot today. So I'm excited to bless you with some email tips. The queen has blessed us with her (laughs) most amazing tips. But it's the same to you. The first time that you popped up on my screen, I officially made my business page and you literally were one of the first people I ever saw on TikTok. So you hold a very special place in my heart. I love that so much. (laughs) So funny. Like the world truly is just the biggest place. And just to think we just happened to cross paths. But I want to hear more from you. I want to know how you got started in what you do. So take me as far back as you feel relevant and tell me a little about your journey. Okay. Where do I want to start? I'll say that. So this is funny. I never took a business class in college. I never took a marketing class in college. I went to the university of Delaware for mass communication and journalism. So I thought I was going to go into news production and TV production. I mean, Hey, still might, but that's still super relevant. It's just funny that no business was taken in, in those years. That's I hate asking that question, not to completely cut you off, you're going to continue. It's just funny because that ends up being a question that I've asked everybody that's been on so far is what did you go to college for if you went and how is it relevant to today? So I love, I love hearing that. We love a self-made entrepreneur and taught and educated. So anyway, continue. So once I got out of college, I was looking for journalism jobs. And at the time, had no idea that copywriting, what that it even meant, had the possibility of like sales copywriting. I thought copywriting was blogs, content, like news, long form, right? And so I applied for a copywriting job thinking it was like that. And it turned out to be a marketing copywriting position. It was for this powerhouse. It's an insurance company, but like deep down they're a digital marketing company. Like their marketing was everything. So they were, their big thing was taking people in young and like teaching them to be on, have an entrepreneur spirit and, you know, marketing, you know, their way and things like that. And so they took a chance on me. And I just dove into this new world of marketing and sales copywriting. And I just fell in love. 
Like I fell in love with, I'd always been a writer, but I fell in love with making people feel something and having a connection with a brand through writing. Like that was it for me. And I just, I worked there for six, seven years and really worked my way up from all of the teams. Like I was on social media, I did email marketing, I did everything. And it gave me this really well-rounded experience. And I fell in love with strategy of how do I take someone from knowing nothing about our brand to being a loyal community member of our brand. And so I worked my way up to basically leading the entire strategy of that entire marketing team. But it was a very male dominated industry, like very male dominated, a lot of, a lot of toxic, a lot of toxic stuff going on. And so as much as I loved the marketing, it just, I quickly outgrew the mindset of the company. And I was like, I can do this. I can do this on my own. Like I want to help women. Like there was something without getting too into my backstory. My parents got divorced when I was about 12 and my mom lost everything. She went bankrupt and I watched her have to kind of claw her way back from that. The idea of helping other women build a life for themselves to step into their own power and have that independence was something that's so important to me. So I was like, I'm just going to do it. And, you know, I, I had gotten so much experience work, like this brand brought in some of the biggest experts for us to learn from. Like it was a blessing of a first job. As much as I outgrew it, it was a big blessing. And so, yeah, so I went on my own in right before the pandemic. Like my last week at that job was when everyone was going home because of the pandemic. And I was like, holy crap, what did I just get myself into? But I also feel like it was a blessing in disguise for me because digital, everything digital blew up. So I got on TikTok and it quickly, people started resonating with what I had to say and everything just kind of blew up from there. So I'll take a pause and let you react to that. But, but yeah, it was, I really feel like my career so far has been just a lot of universe guiding me to where I'm supposed to be through intuition and circumstances and so much. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I just love everything. And it, we, I will say we just talked for 20 minutes before we actually started recording. So we've already yes. got like all of the sappy. I really am though, truly the way that you speak about things with everything from your views on everything that you just said to one thing that consistently sticks out in my head that you have said, I think at one point it was in your bio. I'm not sure if it's still there, but it was scrappy human led marketing. And the word scrappy has consistently stuck with me. When I hear that word, I think of you and it really, really is perfect and very, very relatable in the way that you got a lot of your marketing knowledge. One of my very first more serious careers, I worked there for about five, six years, was with a really big corporation that I was also lucky enough to learn a lot of really, really kick-ass marketing tactics, not even tactics, just thought processes and things like that. And it also happened to be in the fitness industry, which gave me a perspective on talking to people in a way that is very personal. Like I'm very used to being in a room one-on-one with somebody who's unbelievably uncomfortable to be there. And it's your job as an ambassador for this brand or as a representation of this brand to make them feel like they are the only person in that room who matters and they're the only person who's there. And that's really unbelievably transferred over into this business in a way that's Mm -hmm. really amazing. However, that industry and that job was just not it anymore. So I I love hearing that. I've never heard that from you before. So yes. 
That's a I feel like lot. we have very similar. We, you and I are very similar. The, the 20 minutes that we recorded before this, I was like, I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. Like that's <laughs> insane. We'll have to dive like the deeper. blonde version of you. <laughs> so I'm the brunette version of you. I love that. <laughs> With our matching angel number necklaces and everything. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the transition into doing it on your own, more specifically in the way that First of all, when did you do that? You said it was during the pandemic. It was right when the pandemic started. Yeah. So what in your business now is different from then? Yeah, I would say, so first of all, working for someone else's brand versus building your own, especially if it's like a personal brand tied to it, so different because it's so easier to make objective decisions on someone else's brand than your own. I was overthinking everything in the beginning. I mean, I think my branding changed five times. You know, I was never going to figure out who who I really was, what my brand was, and what I wanted to really offer until I just started. And I think that that's a really big thing for people who are looking to get started is you will overthink everything until the cows come home. You have to just start because you're going to learn so much just by doing. I remember I, I used to make videos on TikTok where it would bring in like this energy in this audience. I was like, I don't even like talking about that. Why did I even bring that up? Because I felt like I should or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just by doing it, I've learned so much about where I really even want to go and who I want to serve and, and, you know, my, my personal brand. And so everything has changed from when I first started. I think it's a too, common like, answer. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's, very common. answer. I think like I, I told you before we got on the phone now, like the last two years have been, and I think this should be everyone's mindset when they're first starting is like your business is going to go through seasons. And I think that first season should be all about testing and learning and growing and like figuring out like self-discovery of what you want. And so now I'm in the place of, okay, I've tried a little bit of everything. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. Now I need to simplify and scale doing the things that I want to do. So I'm really honed in now on what's that one simple offer that someone can say, yep, that's what she does. Because the last two Mm -hmm. years, people are like, oh, I've done that with her. I've done this with her. Now I know what I want to do and I need to to scale that. So that's kind of like the evolution of the first two years so far. Because you're, so that's amazing, first of all, but your actual business is called Servant Marketing. Yep. So my company, my LLC is Servant Marketing Co. Gotcha. I don't even know if anyone really knows that online. Like I've been really branding (laughs) myself. Yeah. As yourself, (laughs) which is awesome and totally fine. It's, there's a million ways to do all of this stuff. I mean, it's exactly like you said, nothing is ever going to be perfect. You're going to figure shit out as you go. Like it just is what it is. That's actually, that's a really good point. Like now I'm trying to decide, do I integrate that? Is that what I want to do? I think you just have to pick. Your LLC, when you register it, it's not like you have to use that. Like that can just be no. like, it doesn't have to be your name forever. How I'm many like- people I, I used to work with a trademark attorney and she had a lot of knowledge about stuff like that, but she, you know, obviously wasn't in a position to actually speak on things like that. But she, at one point had said, you know, literally what's on your LLC does not matter, especially with a DBA, like a doing business as you can always, always make it a year from now you decide that you 
want what's on your Instagram to be a different handle that you have to change your LLC name. Right. Like it's not that serious. And I think Mm -hmm. so many people make it sound unbelievably serious, which I, I like to promote doing things in a legal way, registering and, you know, accepting payments correctly and stuff. But people get so hung up on these first few steps because it seems so detrimental at the time and it's right. truly not. And I really think that the only way to fully understand that is to just start. That's the first step. But I agree with you that this is my viewpoint on that. You have to just start. You can't yeah. hold yourself back forever wanting everything to be perfect. But I'm glad that you have that same perspective on it. Things are going to change and that's okay. And the best business owner that you can be is to adapt as you go. Oh yeah. The only constant in business is change. Like I will tell you that literally, like it's literally the only constant, whether it's platforms, technology, like everything is always going to be changing. And so, yeah, you have to be scrappy and adapt to that and figure out what you want. You don't always have to immediately go into panic mode when adapt starts to happen. So something that you talk about a lot and you have a lot of really good insight to is email specifically. Mm -hmm. And email isn't my favorite part, not because I don't think it works or that I don't like doing it. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's not my first priority with my clients for the service that I offer. So I'm excited to hear more in depth from you. Anything that I can hear from you is going to be life-changing. And I know probably for a lot of other people. So if somebody were to come to you and be like, why do I need email marketing? What do you think your immediate response would be? Yeah. So I actually love that question because I get it 10 times a day. All the time. (laughs) So if you're feeling that right now, you are not alone. But what I want people to realize is email marketing is not just another channel to talk to people on that you have to keep up with. Like people get that mindset of like, oh, I already have my Instagram. I already have this. Why would I need to bring them over to somewhere else? But what people don't realize is the biggest, one of the biggest powers of email marketing lies in automation. You are, and it depends on your business model, of course. I'm not going to say like everyone needs to drop everything and do email marketing. But especially if you are like a product-based business or you have something that could basically be selling at all times in the background, then email marketing, like if you're not doing it, you're leaving money on the table, basically. So Really what email is, is it's a place for you to take all your audiences from all these different places that you're showing up. So if you're on Pinterest, if you're on Instagram, if you're on TikTok, if you have blogs that are getting SEO traffic, there's all these people coming from all these places. Email is like the one place that you can drive everybody to, and you're not a slave to an algorithm with it. So it's like you own your list. Obviously there's open rates and spam filters and we don't have to go into all that, but it's not like the algorithm of a social media where it's like, people aren't seeing my posts. Like all these people follow me, but no one's seeing it. You know, it's different than that. It's going to just send it to everybody on your list. So that that's the big power, but automation is basically think through it. There's messaging that you'd want to automate. So basically think through if someone's new to me or if, you know, they didn't see my reintroducing myself Instagram post three weeks ago, what are like the main things I want them to understand about my brand so that they, they get where I'm coming from, what we're, where we're going, but also, you know, how we can help them. People will be like, oh yeah, that, that blog I posted did so well. It got me two new clients and then they never posted again or they know no one ever sees it again. It like, 
was that one thing on they posted on social media. Email marketing lets you take everyone who's brand new to your list and take them on this automated welcome journey to tell them all the things you want them to know right off the bat. So you don't have to, I mean, you want to repeat yourself, but like you're at least getting that in front of them in a certain order. Like you kind of, to an extent, control the content customer journey in email, which is really nice. So that's huge. But then also you're passively meeting your business goals that way. So like, let's say you just started a YouTube channel. If you have like, hey, this is my YouTube channel. This is like a video, one of my best videos. Go check it out in your email welcome sequence that's automated. Now you're constantly growing your YouTube channel in the background as well. Um, And it doesn't have to be YouTube. It could be a blog. It could be whatever. So you can pick what are those big business goals or things. Email really is a great way to tie your whole ecosystem together and and support different goals. I was going to say, I feel like the words constant and consistent are the best to overall blanket give email the most efficient purpose. Like I feel like it's very easy for email to be a constant and I feel like it's very Mm -hmm. easy to stay consistent with something like that. Not for me personally, I'm just saying in general. Yeah. <laughs> Not me keeping up with my emails, but I I love this perspective because truly like I've really never thought about it that way. I've never really thought about email in the sense that there is no algorithm to be. That was the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes, it's so true. And like right now I'm talking a lot about a welcome sequence, but there's so much automation you can do within email to pick up the slack for you. If I could just give you one reason, it's like when you're having a bad week or even a bad month as a business owner and you're not showing up as much, your emails are still working for you. Like that was what sold me is like, I'm sleeping and I'm having sales like ding my phone while I'm sleeping. Yes. So there's that, but then there's also automations you could set, like let's say card abandonment emails. So if you're a product-based business, you know, I don't even know what the numbers are. Like 80% of carts are abandoned or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, those emails are going to help remind people, pick up the slack. And those are just constantly running for you, adding more revenue that you wouldn't have had if you didn't have the card abandonment email. So like things like that. It's like automation is where the power lies, especially because it's automation triggered by a user action. So someone took an action and you're responding. So it's going to be super relevant to them and make a lot of sense. Whereas like on social media, for example, I'm blasting out one message to a bunch of audience members that are all at different temperatures of how cold or hot they are to my services. Whereas email, email, I can say, oh, this action indicates they're a hot lead. Let me send this email. They're so, I mean, God, I could like geek out on this for hours. I know. I love this. I'm like about to start taking notes because I have so many things that I want to say to you to what you're saying. Truly, I'm about to start scribbling things down, but I could listen to you talk about this all day. I truly- And if you don't interrupt me, I'll keep going. So- No, I love it. Perfect. I, my job here is done. You keep going. (laughs) So let me kind of gather my thoughts on this for a second, because I really do have a lot of things that I want to- say. Okay. So one of the very first things that I want to ask you in regards to this is at what point do you think it's too much and too often? And I know that this answer is going to change based on a million different factors. For example, I have voluntarily left people's email lists because they literally send me like I don't know how to explain it without because they're they're trying to just provide value and I get that but it's it's the quantity versus quality thing where I'm constantly Mm -hmm. getting these one paragraph emails that just 
give one tiny little tip and then like push you to purchase something. That to me Mm. is just like bad structuring to begin with. But this one that I'm thinking of in particular is literally every single day. Good for them for the amount of time that that probably took them to put together. But to me, it's just too much. So where do you draw that line of you're just being annoying or truly they're still coming with you on this journey? Yeah. So like, this is a hard question because it's going to really depend on your strategy, your brand, how you're using it. For example, if you give out, if you are sending out industry news every morning and people expect and look forward to your email about what happened the day before in pop news, let's just say like, that's going to be something people are enjoying every single day. They, they opted in for that, I guess is what I'm saying. Like that's one strategy of you'd email a lot, but there's also going to be, okay. So the company that I used to work for when, when I led the email marketing department, we emailed up to three times per day every single day. And this was a company that our list size was 2 million. So we were sending out a billion emails per year and we were bringing in at least 10,000 new leads per day. Like this is like big scale marketing. I'm like listening to you say these numbers and I'm like, if I had 10,000 new leads coming through on like, and that's where I got so much of my experience from. Cause it was like a playground for email marketers. Let's be honest. Yeah. But what I was trying to get at is they would have so, so many people unsubscribed. Like, you know, they might have a thousand to 5,000 people unsubscribed in a day or mm-hmm. something, but like they were bringing in so many that the quantity, it was always about the numbers. Like it became a numbers game. And that was one of the yeah. reasons where I was like, this just isn't my vibe. It was fun. I got to learn a lot, but I was like, I'm not in this for, okay, well a thousand people unsubscribed, but we got this much in revenue. So that's fine. Like we pissed off a thousand people, but you know? And so that's for a lot of these companies, that's what email marketing is to them. It's how many leads can we bring in per day that makes up for all the unsubscribes we're getting by email. For sure. So that's what's going on with a lot of, is that something I agree with? No, of course not. But like, it's something you have to watch for yourself. Okay. First of all, if you're a solopreneur, like what can you keep up with? Like, that's important too. You don't want to burn out trying to stay consistent, commit to what you can or stick to what you commit to. But if you're seeing, oh, once I once I started doing daily affirmations, that's something people wanted to open every day. And then like on Fridays, I do my sales message or whatever. Or you might be the person that's like, I email once per week. That's where I always say to get started is once per week is probably good. If you can't do that, then once a month. There's that's definitely the, yep. small steps you can take to get started. And it's obviously when you're doing it more often, you have, you said, more of a playground to work with and more, you know, options to test things. So I know there's not really a real answer to how much is too much. It's just tough because first of all, your answer was fantastic. Like I know there is no real answer to that because the next thing that I want to ask you is overall, I know that this answer is so different based on a million different factors, but let's say for a service based business, where would you If I said I can do three emails a week, not me personally, just like in general, anybody who is an online service provider, I can commit to three emails a week. What would the first month of sequence look like? Where would you start from, I guess, without asking you to do a full breakdown of everything just in general? 
So you're, what we were talking about before is like your welcome sequence. Like that's where you should start. If you're like, uh, where do I start with email marketing? It's your welcome sequence, because that's like the most important thing just to introduce people to your brand. Not that I recommend it, but even if people went through a welcome sequence and then you emailed every three months, at least they would get that understanding right away of who you are and how you help. So that when they see your Instagram video pop up, now they, they have some background. So the most important thing to start with is the welcome sequence. And with the welcome series, I I usually have it last about a month and it's usually about five to seven emails. So that's usually about one or two ish a week. And the things you want to do in there are introduce you and your brand and your mission. So like your mission isn't just like what you're trying to do. It's like you're bringing in people who are reading it to be part of the mission. So like talking through your why, you know, your story, if you're building a personal brand, like what's your story? How'd you get started? You want to create an emotional connection. So this would be the place to get a little bit vulnerable or to focus on those deeper messaging things that you might not be as comfortable making a video about. And then you also want to introduce some sort of uh, welcome offer usually And so this would be something that's because you're brand new, here's some cool thing to get them to purchase something. And it doesn't have to be your main services. It could be a $7 offer. Actually, I would recommend something low cost because the point of a low cost offer in your welcome series isn't to be your moneymaker and make you all this money. It's to get people introduced to the value that you're going to bring them through a paid service. I, I don't know the exact stats, but if you can get someone to actually put their credit card information in something to do with your brand, they're going to be that much more likely to buy your core offers than someone who, than someone who never did, right? So I always recommend having some sort of small, low-cost offer that's high value. So if it's a $7, $20, $50 offer, it better have enough value that it's worth like $100. because that's how you blow people away to want to continue up the value ladder of your next services. For sure. Yeah. So So, I'm sorry, I'm rambling again. No, you're not. (laughs) I seriously could listen to you talk about this stuff forever. So I want to ask, is your preferred slash favorite way to get people to sign up for your email list through a freebie? Is that kind of your favorite Um, route to go? Or do you just like advertise it like on your socials? What's yep. your favorite way to go about? My favorite way is through the freebie because I think it, it's going to give you the best results. However, I really do enjoy when someone gets me to sign up for their emails because I'm ex- expecting something from the actual emails as in like weekly affirmations or like news updates, something that's going to like train me to want to open the emails. So the worst thing you can do is just say, join my newsletter. Like I need to know what the heck I'm going to be getting on your newsletter or so don't just say exclusive deals and news pick something that you're going to give me on the regular and advertise it that way or have a freebie that's like a one-time like a free guide a checklist a video series it could be a discount off of your first order it I could was be just a gonna template. ask you how you felt about the week-long in your email video series do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like those types of incentives to get people to sign up for your email list is every day for the next seven days, every single day you get a super in-depth, you know, hour long video training. Cause those I think are really cool. Obviously it takes a lot of time and effort to actively film the things. And obviously there's ways to, you know, repurpose what you already have, but I always, I just, those are always the kind that have stuck out to me. So mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, those are awesome because you're telling people I'm going to be delivering value like this mm-hmm. in your emails. So that's a great way to to get them on too. Gotcha. I love that. So, okay. How do you feel about text marketing or like SMS marketing? So I love SMS marketing. There's a lot of pros to it. When I think about, because people ask me this question all the time, should I start with SMS or should I start with email? And my answer 90% of the time, not always, is start with email because it is so much easier to build a emotional connection over email than it is SMS. That's the way I've always thought about it is I personally, for my business, for my services would never do SMS marketing. However, a product-based business where it's not me, myself, selling myself and my own service, I think it makes more sense. So like you said, like it is very intrusive. It's very personal. And that's why to me, I just don't think I would ever do, even though I love personal, that to me is like one step to, if you're going to get started with SMS, you better have a good strategy behind it. Yes. You got to provide like where I've seen it work really well is fashion boutiques. Mm -hmm. So I actually also ran the SMS department at this company. And the reason that we got into it was because I was leading the podcast and radio advertising team. And so for something like that, like SMS is beyond, like it is exactly what you should be doing, but we used SMS to grow our email list. So like Mm -hmm. you would, you would text in from this radio ad, but then we would say, cool, what's your email? We'll send the thing to you. You would email them. Because people, you know, weren't going to go to a website and put their email in, but they'd shoot a quick text that says, sure, give it to me. And then we would, and then we'd get their email. So again, it's all about strategy of how you're using it. The best ideally would be to have an SMS list and an email list, and you would just SMS way less than you email because the open rates on SMS are insane. I mean, you're texting somebody. Before we kind of shift gears a little bit to get a little less, I don't want to say less professional, just a little less about email. Do you have any favorite email marketing resources? I think you really like Flowdesk. Is that correct? Is that? Yeah. So do you have any other things like that, that you just, if anybody wants to get started or wants to simplify this process, what should they look into? Yeah. So Flowdesk is the platform, the email marketing platform that I suggest. It's beautiful design templates. It's so intuitive and easy to use. Like that's another thing that keeps small business owners from doing email is it's just like, the tech side of it can be so confusing with the segments and, and stuff. And so Flowdesk is female owned. So I think that's probably part of the reason it's so intuitively and simple to use. So that's why I recommend it so much. It's also a very good price. But other than that, like I really encourage people to use, it's a website called reallygoodemails.com. And it just has a ton of examples from brands that you probably know and love. And it'll show you, here's what Gucci does for their emails. Here's what McDonald's does for some of their emails. And it just, it's good for inspiration, but also to get out of your head of like, Okay, if Gucci can do email marketing, you can right. do email marketing. Like people think it's like spammy and it's it's not. It's all depends on your message. So it's really kind of cool to see what other brands are doing of like, oh, I never thought of being so creative in an email before. So that tool's great. And then there's shoot, I can't remember the name right now. If you just Google like sub subject line testers. They'll have mm-hmm. testers that'll give you like a rating on like, oh, is this a good subject line or that kind of stuff. But the best tool, again, going back full circle here is just to get started and to learn from what's working and what's not with your list. So yeah. with every client, we, I let things run for at least a month, if not longer. And then we say, here's how your audience, because every audience is different. 
here's how your audience is responding and here's the changes we can make based on the metrics. So, oh, our open rates are really low. Let's work on our subject lines. Oh, our click rates are low. How can we get more clicks? That kind of stuff. Gotcha. Test, test and learn. Yeah. And I say that with social media too. Continue to do what works and get rid of what doesn't. And that's yep. as simple. Like if somebody's like, how do I know I'm making the right choice on this? It's like, well, have you done it before? And has it worked before? And if it works before, it will probably work again if you do it correctly. And if you know that something doesn't work and will never work, just get rid of it, which that mindset alone played a huge role in the shift that I've had in the last few months that I feel you might be able to relate to continue to do what works and continue to do what's good for you and your mental health and get rid of what doesn't. So with all that being said, kind of leads me to the next thing that I wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about. I don't want this to sound like I'm making the fact that you're a female, your whole personality, but truly your solo female entrepreneur, positive attitude. Like it's, first of all, I can tell that it's not fake with you. Like I can tell that that just genuinely is who you are. Was there ever a time and I, after hearing now your story about, you know, how you got your start, I can imagine that maybe during that time, did you have this shift in perspective? How did you get to be where you are now in this mindset? If you think that there might be anybody else out there who struggles with something that you may have struggled with in the past in regards to being proud of who you are and really just owning this female entrepreneur, you know, solo, I'm kicking ass attitude. Yeah. So I think so much of it for me just comes from my background and how I grew up and, you know, being with my mom most of the time and, you know, watching from, she was my first example of female leadership, I I think. So a big part of it comes from that, but leaving that male dominated corporate world, I felt like I was constantly being put in a box of, you are too emotional. You need to stop leading with your heart. Like I, one of my favorite parts of working there was, was leading people. And I was told so many times by men that I was leading wrong. And I knew I wasn't, I knew I wasn't in my heart. Yeah, we can all improve. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm the perfect leader, but I knew I was not doing things wrong when my gut was telling me these are people first. And we need to think about them that way. My corporate experience was very much the same where we had very strict policies in place about a lot of things and a lot of regulated actions that both we and our clients could make. When I eventually got to the position that I was in where I I was in charge of other people, which I, I really don't ever want to be in again. Like I truly learned that that was not, not for me, especially not in that setting. But something that was said to me a lot was like, it doesn't matter. Like that doesn't matter. Like this is our policy. This is our whatever. And like to a degree, to a point, I agree and I support that. But when I have somebody coming to me who's like, I I cannot make my last payment with you guys because I lost my job because I missed too many days because my mom's in the hospital dying of cancer. I'm not looking that person in the face and saying, you owe us $150. I'm not. And I get again, to a degree, you can't, be like that with every situation. But if you don't have that in your heart to make that decision, that to me is not the customer's always right. It's these people are human. Like these people are real people and they don't need to just be harassed for money. Like that's not what we as people are here for. And I don't know if that's a hundred percent how you feel as well, but that was just kind of what I picked up from that. And I wanted to say, I feel as if my corporate background was also very much your 
thinking too much about this. You're being too emotional. And yeah, yeah, I, I hate that you were also told that, but here we are. Yeah. No. And like, (laughs) I get it to a certain extent, owning a big business with 600 employees, thousands of employees is a very different world than owning and running your own personal brand. So like, yeah, I get when it's like, well, these are the policies set at an umbrella level, or like, this is how we do business. But then it's, I think personally, it's up to the the leaders at different micro levels to make judgment calls that are just doing the right thing. And there needs to be the flexibility from above for, for leaders to be able to be trusted to make those decisions. So yeah, things like that. Like when I left, I, when I first left, I was so lost about who I actually was because of those things constantly being hammered to me. I felt like they basically were saying, you are going to basically run this company someday. Like you are going to go so far, but you have to be, you have to do it this way. Like that's what it felt like. And I was just so- That's what I was told. Like verbatim, that was said to me at one point. Like- That's very common. It is. so common. Yeah. But I really, I lost myself in that because I started to become a robot. I was so focused on being that independent female- that I was so in my masculine energy and I was just trying to like get there. And like, I just, I lost myself to a point that that's when I was like, okay, I got to leave. But once I did leave, it wasn't magic and rainbows. Like, yes, I'm free. Now I can do whatever I want. It was like, fuck the frick am I? What do I do? Where do I go? Oh, you can drop F-bombs all day. Unless no, say them, love them. That's such a scary feeling sometimes. It's very scary to not be able to look in the mirror and I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. Not that you have to have everything figured out, but to truly feel like you have given so much of yourself to anybody, like a job, a a relationship, like a family member, like anything to feel like you've given so much of yourself and still you don't know who you are. That's a scary thought. So I'm sure at that point you were like, oh my God, I am so thankful for all of these experiences, but it truly drained me as a person. And that, Mm. that is a scary feeling. So I'm glad that you have got your bad bitch energy on now. Well, a lot of it, a lot of it just came from speaking and using my voice and realizing, oh, that wasn't my voice. Like that's their voice really just doing it. My content, when I first started on TikTok, please don't anyone listening, do not go look at the beginning videos. Like, oh, I literally will not even watch my first videos. They're so bad. I refuse to take them down though, just because like, Mm -hmm. I don't, stand for that. You got to embrace yes. them. And the, the crazy thing is, is like, I'm when you sit here and say they're bad, it's not that I want to be like, no, Sasha, every single piece of content that you make is great. But as a creator and somebody who is finding their voice and figuring out who they are, it's painful to go back and watch those first few where it's not authentically you. And it's not that they need to be deleted because they're not an accurate representation of who you are. It's, it's truly, I cannot go back. I won't even go back and watch things that I made last week because I truly just feel I am constantly changing and constantly evolving and still figuring everything out. But I understand that feeling of these are not me. Like these are not, you know, an accurate representation of me as a creator is like, what's I think the biggest cringiest part of that. So I don't think it's that your videos are bad. I just understand that (laughs) feeling, but yeah, I'm sure it was scary to realize like that wasn't me. That was 
that company talking. Once I really started to come into my own and see people responding to my unique original thoughts, that the confidence started to build. I started to show up more confidently. And that's kind of like, I feel like as creators and business owners, we're always evolving and that's a good thing. But like the more you use your voice, the more you will evolve it. So yeah, that's kind of where I got to where I am now, where people are like, oh my God, it's just so inspiring how you just show up like this every day. And I mean, spoiler alert, when I'm feeling in that mood and that energy, I take advantage of that. That's my content. I'm not yeah. like that 24 seven. Hell no. Oh, hell. like one hour a week. And I'm lucky <laughs> if it's that one hour a week. No, I'm just kidding. But people really do pick up on energy through your oh, content. And if you are not happy to be there, and if you're not happy to be doing it, I'm not saying that content creation has to be your favorite thing in the entire world, but you do have to enjoy it to some degree. And that's always where I say that you need to draw the line. Like if you are feeling forced and it's not fun anymore, stop doing it. Yeah. Even if it's just a temporary break, if it's passing that line of being not fun anymore, even if it's for your business and it's something that you have to do. I don't make a lot of content recently, not because I don't want to, but because I truly don't have the time without burning myself out. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, it's like, do I take this hour to truly reset and get my brain ready for everything else that I have to do? Or do I take this hour to film TikToks? And sometimes the answer is not film and sometimes it is. And mm -hmm. when the answer is yes, I take advantage of that because where you are in yourself when you start filming shows especially to people who are more familiar with the process. Like I can tell when somebody's not having a good time and I hate mm -hmm. that for them. I'm like, stop doing it then. Like, yeah. I don't want you to force yourself to do this. You don't have to do this. It's, it's a fine line to walk. But speaking of being confident and just really figuring out who you are in your business, something that I love about you is you're really, really good at sharing your client wins. Like you're really, really good about mm -hmm. publicly celebrating your clients. Can you tell me any recent client wins, anything that's been happening on your end that you're just so fucking proud to be where you are and your clients are who they are. Yeah. So what I love about my clients is they're all so different and they're all in mm -hmm. such different periods of their business. Like I have some people who are just starting out and like, it's a lot of foundation building and like their wins are just that they got their brand messaging down and that's how they're going to now show up for the world. And that's a huge win, right? But then I have other clients who are making, you know, six figures plus, and they've kind of figured out like the main, the main business stuff. And then I get to really help them like, okay, now how do we step into the next, the next level of, you know, doubling that revenue or how do we become more of like a, a public figure? Like those types of questions that someone who's just starting out, just isn't quite ready for. My favorite clients to work with, her name is Megan. She just hit 500,000 on TikTok which I cannot take credit for because she's just an amazing content creator. Her username is Mwai Art, Mwai.art. It's her last name, Art. And she does like, have you ever seen, she does like the Zodiac series where oh she'll Oh my paint. God, yes. yes. And so many people tried to do that after her videos started getting big. That's so funny. I knew that you worked with her. That's so yes. crazy. This TikTok is like literally blows my mind every day. So anyway, what did she do? What was her win? So she didn't have, she came to me because she had no email marketing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I need... I know that I need this because she was having troubles with things being like, 
like she was scared about like Instagram getting shut down and like not being able to talk to people in a certain way. So she's like, I understand I need this. And so when we built out her first email strategy with her like uh, wait list for the Zodiac series, you couldn't buy those Zodiac paintings when they first were shown on TikTok. Like she right. released them all at the end of the series. So that's when she hired me and she's like, I need to be able to tell everybody that these are here and these are ready. So we grew her wait list for this series and girl grew her wait list with like barely, barely talking about it to like 3000 people, like in a week, it was insane. And that's like, when you have influence and you're building a community, like those numbers come a lot easier right? For sure. But her launch of that, I mean, I won't share revenue numbers, but she, it just went yeah. so well for her. And that's amazing. once we were able to put in like a welcome automated series, like now she's getting those same exciting launch sales type of numbers, like mm-hmm. all the time. So yeah, that's, it's been really cool because I like, people are like, people think, okay, an email, I can't have a, I'm not like, I can't be my same personality self as on social media. That is totally untrue. Like you should see some of the pictures we put in her emails. It's so fun. So I think that's just been really cool is, is taking someone who is so creative and the opposite of spammy marketing and making email marketing work really well for her has been a really big win. I remember seeing those videos when they first, at least to me, it was when they first came out. It could have been a while into the series, but I remember the first time I saw them and she's unbelievably talented. And then I remember seeing one day on your story, you tagged that she was one of your clients. And I was like, that is so cool. I love that. Okay. So I want to ask you this or that style questions that have to do with social media. So first one, not really this or that, but what is your favorite emoji? So my favorite emoji, like in my tech messages, like with friends is the eye roll emoji. 100%. (laughs) Like the I amount that. that I use that emoji is <laughs> insane. But on social media, my favorite one to use is the blue butterfly. Cause I'm just all about my big thing is I love working with change makers, women who want to make change in the world for either themselves, their family or society. They're disruptors. They want to do something different. And I just feel like the butterfly emoji, every time I use it, it just makes me think of my clients and the beauty that they're spreading with the world, but the change that they're making and, you know, metamorphosis and all that kind of stuff. So that's my favorite emoji. If you believe Mm. that your business is going to make a ripple somewhere to change somebody's life, as long as we get along energetically, then you are in my niche. Like you, as long as I like who you are in your mission and your statement, and you just have a really good way of wording that. I was going to guess the blue butterfly. You truly like encapsulate this blue butterfly. Like truly when I see you, in my that? Video, I see you as the blue butterfly. It's like your spirit animal is the blue butterfly emoji. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. Cause that's kind of like my symbol from yeah. the universe is butterfly. I love that. Okay. So for your own consumption, like if you were to just open Instagram right now and you're picking one or the other, are you going to scroll your feed first or do you tap through stories first? Stories. Yeah, 100%. Are you more of a story person, like in general? I think so. I think I'm just so burnt out by the posts on Instagram because we're talking about Instagram in this instance that the stories just always feel like the real deal behind the scenes, what's really going on. And as much as I realize how important the posts are too, I just. I'm a, I'm a story girl. I hang out in the stories. And I just... No, I love stories. And I love your stories. Oh, well, ever since I made the link sticker available to everyone, I mean, that was just like a game changer. It just... For sure. 
totally made it so much easier to share. It doesn't have to even be products. Not even to make money. Just like, look at this whole thing that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast I listened to or whatever. Mm. It just, it makes it so much easier. So I really, yeah, I'm the story girl. Love that. Instagram or TikTok? Feel like I know the answer. Some people say Instagram and it blows my mind. I'm like, how? Well, I think even the people, so even if you just like are brand new to TikTok, people usually are, oh my God, I love the culture over here. But if you're like an OG, like during COVID, we're on TikTok, you have a different view of it too, because you know the golden, golden days of TikTok. And you can still kind of, I don't know, there's just something really special about TikTok. I fell in love with it the moment I started watching videos. I remember what some of the first TikToks that I saw were, but I don't, I don't remember how I heard about it. I don't remember how I downloaded it. Like it just all of a sudden one day was on my phone and then never went away and has <laughs> 12 hours of screen time a day. But it's also truly, it's killed my attention span and like, it's, it's bad. It's really like bad, it's bad, but and I tell businesses, like if, even if you're not on TikTok, you need to get on the short form video content. Like you need to figure yes. out how to make that because people are becoming addicted to it. So. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, it, it really, really is changing content. And I feel like we've all been kind of saying that for a while, but I think it's, it, it changes literally every single day. Cause I've always said to TikTok did what Instagram and Facebook couldn't do. Like Facebook was the, really the first platform to, in my opinion, that I was familiar with to introduce the automatic scroll where you would watch a video and then another one right mm-hmm. underneath it would like automatically be there based on what you were currently watching. However, they were primarily pushing videos that were 10 plus minutes long. Instagram, back before Reels, you could obviously always upload a video to the feed, like to your feed, but people weren't looking for it for entertainment in the way that we do now. And Mm -hmm. I feel like when Instagram introduced stories, I think it was pretty relevant to when like Snapchat kind of was still a thing, but Instagram stories, again, gave us an opportunity to share a shorter form video, but it was only shown to our followers. So when you combine the auto scroll algorithm on Facebook with the ability to show it to people other than just your current followers, like that's what TikTok is. And they master it Mm -hmm. down to the user interface, the way that you scroll and where you tap like button placement. Yes. Yes. I think like when I, like, I actually, it's funny because they're very different, but like when I think of TikTok, when terms of the feelings I got from it, I associated it the most with YouTube because I felt like, like Instagram and Facebook for me were always just like me, but YouTube, I would go to learn. And for sure, so much of what I know is self-taught through YouTube. Let's be honest with TikTok. I felt like I was able to learn the same amount in such a shorter amount of time as than YouTube. And that's when I fell in love with it. I was like this because I felt like, you know, with YouTube, you're like almost drowning out what you're trying to teach so that it can be Mm -hmm. a 10 minute video. Right. Yeah. Like you're almost like trying, cause that's like the ad revenue or whatever they do. But on TikTok, it's like, I could teach Two someone. Minutes. Exactly. And like, I just TikTok fell in love with University. it. Like, the, the amount of information I could take in of this recipe and then that marketing tactic. And then that thing, like, I just fell in love with the learning side of it. For and sure. that's when I, that's when I knew I had to be on it for my business was when it transformed yeah. from just seeing funny dance, funny dance videos to like mm-hmm. people teaching me something. I was like, 
sold. I'm getting on it. Like I'm going to post. And that's, sure. when I, that's how it all started. Okay. So I have one more question for you just because this question has become something that I love to ask people because everybody's answers are so unbelievably different. So what does a normal day slash week slash routine look like for you? Yeah, for me, I feel like I'm a very much like light routine person. Like I have a light structure of how my week usually goes, but I adapt with the needs of the the workload or the week where I adapt my own needs physically as emotionally, mentally. So I'll have this rough structure of, for me, for example, I do coaching. So I have a lot of coaching calls and those are scheduled, you know, you and I would meet every Wednesday at one because I don't like the whole every week we're trying to figure out a schedule. So I have those, you know, I think it's from like 10 a.m. till five at different times. I'll have calls I have to do. But then every Monday for me is what I call my CEO day. And that's my day to work on business growth for my business. So, but what, what that might look like is going to be different every week. So that's why I'm saying I have like this structure, but it's different. So for Mondays, for me, I don't like, I like being able to dive into my week with like something energizing of like, okay, I'm going to build out my new email marketing course, or I'm going to go join five networking groups, something that's different than, you know, helping other people grow their business or something that gives back to yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I also have some CEO days where I do absolutely nothing because my Me body too. is like, you need to relax not today, today. <laughs> not today. And that's uh, what I need to do to have the best week possible. For I feel me, like, like a lot of people do their CEO days on Monday. I personally, mm-hmm. I don't really usually call it that, but essentially I don't really do anything on Fridays. Like okay. Fridays are my day. Like if I have to run errands or like if I have to go grocery shopping, like if I want to just like go to TJ Maxx, like Friday is the day that I do things for my, like usually what I'll do is like the entire first half of the day, I work on my business stuff, scheduling content when I actually film it or, you know, answering emails, whatever I have to do that is directly related to my business. So like I said, I don't usually call it a CEO day, but maybe I might, I, maybe I'll adopt that term, but I do mine on Friday and I feel like so many people do theirs on Monday. And I'm like, am I missing something? Mondays are just so busy for me. I don't know why yeah. client wise that I could never do Mondays as one of my on. And I think that's where you have to be smart of like what works best for you and your business. Cause like for everyone's sure. structure is going to look different. Like for me, if I waited till Fridays, I would be in weekend mode and not want to do yet. You know what I mean? I need that Monday to be like, let's start this week off with something super fun. And it's not always fun, but something energizing that's refreshing. Yeah. So for me, that was Sunday. I'm a very classic, like Sunday is reset day. And then you go in on Monday. I love it. You're definitely, you're an intuitive creator. Oh yeah. Intuitive business owner. Yep. And it took me a really long time to even acknowledge what that meant. I do break down my week based on my clients. So like every Monday, this person has what I call their designated day that if there's anything on the to-do list for them, anything that needs to be done by the next time we meet, being in a primarily creative role, it's very, very hard for me to be in that creative mindset all of the time. And I'm very lucky that a lot of my clients understand that. And again, none of them ever go without because I'm just like, I'm not feeling creative today. Like, sorry, we're not doing that. It's, it's so much deeper than that. Everything for them will always be done, whether I'm doing it at three o'clock in the morning with everything else in the world that I'd rather be doing because this is their service. But like I said, I just try to be very open that 
it's not a last minute kind of thing. Like you have to be in the right mindset. And Mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of them, again, I'm very lucky that they understand that. So very intuitive on what needs to be done. And I think for anybody listening to this right now, like my best advice would be take what people say works for them and try it out for like a week or two and adapt it to what's going to work for you or say that does not work for me. Like, don't feel like what someone says is ever the end all be all. Like if anything, find someone, find a creator or someone you look up to a mentor who has a similar human design as you, or like a certain work ethic, or like is dissimilar to you in ways and find out what they do. Try that. But if it doesn't work for you, like adjust. There's other options. And it all circles back to continue to do what works and get rid of what doesn't. Like, I feel like it always just circles back to that. So with that being said, I have taken up way, way, way too much of your time. Next thing we know, we've been on this call for an hour and a half. In the episode description, we'll make sure your handle and your website and all of that is linked. But is there anything that you want to leave us with? Yeah. So come check out my, my social media profiles that are linked on TikTok and Instagram. And if I'm somebody who you vibe with, if you feel like my tips are helpful to you, the best way to work with me is by doing like a 90 minute intensive and you can book it literally at any time that works for you. But yeah, I hope you guys just come on over and check out my content and see if I can help you. Oh my gosh, so excited. I swear to God, I'm not even just saying this. You really are an amazing person. Seriously, thank you for taking this almost two hours out of your night to come hang out with me for a little while. You will definitely be back. And yeah, I'll link everything for you, but we will talk to you next time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's me again, your host, Lex. I would love if you came over to Instagram and hung out with us at the social media survival guide. You can also find my personal slash business account at page media coach. Make sure we're staying connected in your favorite places. If you or anybody that you know is interested in being a guest on here, please DM me again. The quickest way to reach me is going to be at page media co, but make sure you follow at the social media survival guide just to stay up to date with everything that's going on on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time and for being here. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye.